Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1301. When the opportunity presents itself, the first answer should always be yes. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Nevada City in California. If that doesn't trip you up, I don't know what will. John Ficara. Hey, John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I absolutely am. I can't wait. All right. John Ficara is an automotive historian and professional automotive enthusiast. He bought his first car at the young age of 14, restored cars in his garage to help put himself through college, owned a picture car company called Creative Film Cars in New York City, ran a somewhat illegal cross-country cannibal event called the 2904, was the marketing director and in-house historian for Bruce Canapa. He's been a guest here on Cars, yeah, a couple times at his amazing facility in Scotts Valley, wrote and researched 72 cars for the Porsche Historic Tent at Rensport 6. That was awesome, by the way. I was there and has been ill-advisedly building and racing cheaty cars in the 24 Hour of Lemons. An accomplished researcher, writer, and storyteller, John Work. John's work has appeared in magazines including Pete Stout's Triple Zero, Vintage Race Car, Classic Porsche, and Speed Sport. On Luftacult website and his VinWiki car stories have over a million views on YouTube. That is very cool. John, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Before we jump into the questions, would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Sure. I got started early on and I've been into cars since I was a kid. And I've done even more than what you just said. I've, I've, that's, <laughs> whatever comes up with cars, I do it. So like I'm even I'm on the, uh, the board at the Coyote Creek Concours out here in California, which is starting this June. You know, I've been doing just about anything I can find with cars, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And of, of course, uh, Coyote Creek, I'm going to be promoting that event coming up very soon with a full week of guests uh, involved in that event. Uh, Kathy out there has got me uh, kind of interested in this event. I think we're going to have a fun time. Are you looking forward to it? I absolutely am. You know, we've, we're doing some innovative things, like we're having a new class that we call Gen Excellent. We're bringing in cars from the 80s and 90s and bringing them up to a concourse level. There's already, and you've already had guests, I'm sure, uh, involved with uh, Radwood. You know, Radwood is a car show. We're going to do, do a concourse level of Radwood is the idea. Ah, cool. Well, it's going to be a great event down there yeah. just south of San Jose. So yep. make sure you check that out, you listeners, and attend. Well, as we continue on your journey, John, Mm -hmm. I like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So, John, take the wheel. One thing I've always lived by was and uh, was passed on to me was when the opportunity presents itself, the first answer should always be yes. (laughs) Yeah. And because you never know where it's going to take you. You never know what opportunity is going to push you in either direction. As long as, of course, you know, the yes doesn't have you jumping off a cliff or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Unless you yeah. have a parachute. But yeah, always always be open to the opportunity. You know, uh, Sir Richard Branson has a great quote that I've seen floating around Facebook that uh, is very similar to that. Whatever opportunity comes uh, your way, say yes, figure out how to do it later. 
Yep. And, yep. Uh, you know, it kind of brings up the old fake it till you make it, which some people like, some don't. But I think your your concept here is absolutely brilliant. And that is it gives you tremendous opportunities to try new things. Can you give us a couple of examples of things that have come along in your life that you said yes to that you've never done before and have ended up being great successes? You know, I think some of my businesses that I did, my film car company, you know, I was in New York and I was working for Cooper Classics in the West Village. And a friend of mine's like, you should do something else. And I'm like, okay. And we had some drinks, as many things begin with drinks. And uh, we started talking about film cars. And he's like, you should do, a fil- you should do film cars. And I'm like, okay. And that was, it was like, that's about the whole start of it. I'm like, he's like, I'll help you with it. Like, that sounds like fun. Let's talk about it. And we did, and it, it worked out. You know, uh, I even ended up in New York like that. My wife turned to me one day. We were watching The Sopranos, and she goes, I was living in San Francisco at the time. And she mm-hmm. goes, do you want to move to New York? And, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and, and I, it literally happened like She goes, do you want to move to New York? I took out a beat, and I looked at her, and I said, okay. And that was it. And we moved to New York three months later. You sounds like you married the right woman because oh, I don't know I too many spouses, men or women, <laughs> that if, if their spouse said that to them, they look at them and go, this is a TV show. This isn't reality, honey. <laughs> and it worked out great because uh, our New York experience was fantastic. And we were there for about a decade. And then we moved back here. When you say film cars, what do you mean by that? So our listeners can understand what you're talking about. So film cars or picture cars, they're the, they're the vehicles you see in movies or on you know editorial and magazines and advertising. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see a vehicle on screen or in print, that's a film car. So they have to find it, source it, or build it. So we've, we did cars for movies on the East Coast, and we provided motorcycles, and we provided just anything with a motor to the movie. So it would either be something like the star was driving, like mm-hmm. you know, you'd have the lead car, the hero car, or it'd be the cars lining the streets. If, yes. it's, if Spielberg's doing a movie from 1974, you got to fill the streets with vehicles from before 1974. Right. So that was it. And that was – that was very much uh, a, a, a huge and fun experience that I had because every time the phone rang, it was something different. I'll bet. Did yeah. you have a giant garage full of cars or did you <laughs> did you just source people who had cars that would loan them and, and rent them out? Well, that was one of the innovations we had. There were, there were, when we got started, there were already two or three very large film car companies that had these huge lots in New Jersey of you know, ambulances and old cars and things like that. But the East Coast is not kind to vehicles. So no. the idea of maintaining those cars and keeping those cars seemed kind of silly. So what we did is we developed a database of private owners, about 5,000 different owners on the East Coast. And we had it online, so our clients could go, oh, I want a pink Camaro. And if it was in our database, we'd call up the owner and say, hey, they want to use your pink Camaro, and you know, Angelina Jolie wants to drive it. And they'd be like, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but can't she so drive? That's, That's the question. The cars were all you know, maintained by their owners and kept yeah. by their owners, and we'd just go pick them up, we'd clean them up, we'd detail them for them, we'd use them, and we'd return them with a check. Ah, very cool. Well, that's much wiser than having a warehouse full of cars, I think. I'm just trying oh, to imagine yeah. taking care of all those. Very cool business indeed, very unique. Well, have you? I would like to have you share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you think back in your life when you knew you were indeed a car guy? You know, this is a moment that I don't actually remember, but my parents have told me about multiple times. My dad was changing the oil on his car, and I desperately wanted to help. And I was bringing him all the wrong wrenches, whatever I could find. I was about six or mm-hmm. seven, maybe. And he's trying to find some things to do. He's under the car. And then suddenly it goes quiet. 
And he's like, John, what you doing? <laughs> and all, he, all I said was, I'm helping. So huh. he gets out from underneath the car, and I had gotten a funnel and put it in the gas tank. Oh, no. And I was filling it with paint. Oh, no. <laughs> paint. Oh, let's pick something even worse than putting oil in the gas tank. Let's put paint in the gas tank. Oh, my gosh. And like he's like, he wanted to be really angry, but he realized I was trying to help. Of course, and, uh, yeah. And from there on, he just uh, he just really took me under his wing and let me play with cars. And then when I was, oh, I guess 14, and it really got a hold, they bought me, and I still have it. It's the complete book of collectible cars. And you know, I think I have that same book that I got when I was a kid. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's just, you know, book page after page of, of cars and what they think of them. And and in about a year, I pretty much had the whole thing memorized. Cool. I could tell you the specs and you know, makes of every car that was in there. It was uh it, we started freaking my parents out at that point. They're like, okay, all right, we've got a car guy. And yeah. so when I asked to buy my first car when I was 14, because I was planning on getting it ready, so I'd be ready for me when I was 16, they were like, okay, all right. <laughs> this is it. The kid's hooked. Yeah. yeah. Now that he knows not to put paint in the gas tank, he knows what he's doing. So exactly. we'll, let him, we'll let him run with that. Very cool. Well, you've been involved in so many businesses. You've done so many very cool things. No doubt you've been faced with a challenge or two, maybe even a failure or two. And I'd love for you to share one of those. So that we can get a taste of how you moved past that, what you learned from it. The most important thing about failing and about challenges is what it teaches us. So tell us about an experience and how that experience helped you go, gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career and your business and your life. I had an interesting experience a couple of years ago. It was January 2017, and um, there were big storms coming through California at the time. Lots of mudslides, and uh, it was terrible weather for about a few weeks. I was out in my garage uh, with my friend Peter Ralphs building my current race car. Well, at least starting to work on building the, the, my Lemons car. Mm -hmm. And uh, the storm, we you know, we were inside, we're working. The storm really blowing outside, and the top 35 feet of one of the redwood trees around my house snapped off and crushed me and him inside the garage with the race car. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. And Oh, yeah, it was horrible. You know, my wife came out screaming. She's all, John, John, are you okay? But she couldn't hear me saying I was okay because she was screaming. So yeah. it was just, it was in the storms blowing, and it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty epic. But the event itself was like the best outcome from the worst event that I can imagine. Yeah. Um, neither of us was seriously hurt. The car's roll cage actually was holding up what was left of the roof. So that um, somewhat saved you. That saved us. We were standing, literally leaning over the front of the car, 10 seconds before the tree came through. We moved away to get some tools, and that's where the tree came through. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Maybe a little divine intervention or something happened something there, but happened. oh, yeah. my gosh, that's horrific. But that moment, you know, I think you need a little shakeup in your life every once in a while. Well, that'll do it, right? That'll do it. And, I, I was, and it makes you reevaluate what's important to you. Right. Um, yeah. At that point, I had been working for Bruce Canepa for five years or so, I guess, at the mm -hmm. point. And, um, and, I, and I loved working there. It was an amazing facility. You've magic place, yeah. Absolutely magical. Every day was something just absolutely brilliant. But it made me think, you know, what comes after that? That's Bruce's place. And yeah. 
I've always been an entrepreneur and I'm like, you know what? I got to start thinking about my place. Mm-hmm. I got to start thinking about, you know, spending more time with my family and moving forward that way, the way I want to. And it made me really think about it. And so I spoke with Bruce shortly after and I said, you know, I'm going to see what comes next. And he was very amicable and nice about it. And I stayed through Rensport. I stayed for another year or so. And I went off on my own. And it's led me to this next next stage of my life. Very cool story. Um, wow. You know, you're talking about lemons. And for those guests or listeners right now, I should say that uh, don't know a lot about the oh, 24 yeah. of lemons. You can go back and listen to my talk with Jay Lamb, who he titles himself the cheap perp. <laughs> it's a 24 hour of lemons race, but you know, it, it's a really fun event. But, um, wow. And, and what's even more amazing is that the roll cage of that car, which is designed to protect the occupants, protected you and your buddy, which is even more crazy. And of course, um, Bruce Canapa shop. Yeah. As we said, magical place. He was actually a guest on one of my cars. Yeah. TV shows. We did a, you know, there's so much there. We did a two part show with him. Oh, and, yeah. uh, my gosh, that show has already gotten over 4 million views. Um, incredibly fun TV show to shoot with Bruce. And, uh, definitely, I, you know, I always say when people who work there, how they, did, did you ever get jaded walking around all those cars? Because it's incredible what, what's Absolutely. in that facility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you walk in every day and I mean, it's hard to, for, for most people to conceive what he has built there. You know, it's a 70,000 square foot facility and he's got over 130, 140 cars stuffed in and not one of them is insignificant. Right, so yeah. there's five or six 959s parked there, Porsche 959s. I know. They, only, they only built 292 production cars of that and yeah. only about 50 of them are in the United States. At one time when I was there, he had 12 959s. Wow. Yeah. Well, of course, he builds those wonderful versions where they basically update a 30-plus-year-old car. But you know, I tell people when you see a company like that, and, and you know this, John, I mean, he's been in business for over 40 years. This takes time to build mm-hmm. that kind of uh, magnitude. And uh, and you know that with all the different things that you've done. But uh, definitely your story, boy, that that takes the cake as far as some of the stories I've heard. <laughs> but but you're right. When things like that happen to us, and, and it's too bad it takes a catastrophe like that to kind of shake us up sometimes. But I get it. You kind of reevaluate yourself. And, okay, time for me to do something for myself. Uh, I'm very much the same way. Spent most of my early career helping other people build their businesses and decided, you know what? It's my turn to do something for myself. I'm going to go yeah. out and try to build a brand of my own, see how I can do this and how I can affect people. So kudos to you for for taking that leap. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle, the first special vehicle that had some meaning for you, and, and maybe share a memory you have about that ride. Sure. It was a 1971 BMW 2002. Nice. And I had my first car I ever bought them 14, when I was 14 was a, was a bug, and I got that going, and it was a real wreck. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw 2002 on a used car lot, on a consignment lot behind a fence, and I'd walk by it. I kept going, oh, that's that's the car. That's the car. And I remember being with my buddies, and I had a quarter, and I said, if I can flip the quarter through the fence and land it on the car, (laughs) I'm going to buy it. Oh, my gosh. And I did, and it landed square in the hood. I'm like, I'm coming back and buying that. I'm going to find the money to buy that. And back then, a 2002 was basically 2000 bucks. Yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, I bought it, and it's it's really was it's really a perfect little car. It, it fits four people. It's got a usable trunk. Mm-hmm. It has a you know a sports suspension. It's got a dynamite little engine and drivetrain in it, and you could flog the hell out of it. It was like you know, of course, being a car guy, I added bigger wheels and tires, and oh, a you have to do that and all that, <laughs> and. It was also a little different. I mean, I, I a lot of my friends had Camaros and Mustangs, and um, I was always the, the slightly different guy. So having a 2002 and then beating them in the 2002 always felt really good. I, I just – that car was really special, and, and uh, I kept it all the way through college. Nice. Well, they're great. I had Byron Sanborn, who's uh, one of the key folks at VRM, uh, Vintage Racing Motors here in the Pacific mm-hmm. Northwest, uh, Macaw's Place. He built and restored a beautiful turbo version, of course, the yep. very rare turbo version. I've got a good buddy here in Gig Harbor, uh, Douglas, who has one. And when I first started doing track events with the BMW Club with my M3, he has a, a E30 M3 and a 2002. And he'd bring the 2002 out. And if I said, why don't you bring the M3? And he goes, this car's so much fun to drive. Yeah. Get in it. <laughs> Get in it. Let me take you for some laps. And, and he was right. It was just, you know, it's a little brick, a little box, yeah. but uh, just handles great. And you know, they don't go terribly fast, but that's okay. You kind of get a different mindset. It's a momentum car. Um, they're just absolutely brilliant. I love those things. They're very, very cool. Well, is there a vehicle you've let go, and maybe it's that O2, that really brings some seller's remorse, a little tear to your eye? Actually, the, it's, it's between two vehicles, both of which I used on the 2904 Cannonball. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we would build the, – the, the idea of the 2904 was – you, it was a cannonball run race, but you could only spend $2,904 for the 2,000. 2000- ah, there's where the number comes from. Because it was, it was 2,904 miles coast to coast. So yep. you could only spend a dollar a mile on the car, fuel, tolls, tickets, everything. Oh, wow. So we built, and because I was a film car guy and a theatrical kind of guy, uh, we built some kooky cars to do it. So the two I wish I had kept, or one of them, was. Uh, we built a replica of the A-Team van, and uh, <laughs> on a flip of the coin, I lost the bet, and I was Mr. T. Oh. <laughs> I was did Honky T. Did you Honky T? Uh, you said it, not me, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, so did you have to dress up like him? Do you have the oh, mohawk I, and all the I gold the chains? Yep. My wife went out and bought me all the gold chains, and uh, I, I had the entire outfit and the mohawk. We actually got pulled over in um nebraska Uh and the poor cop it was the middle of the night two in the morning and uh, he pulls us over and it's a black flat black van with no windows on it yeah it looks very suspect very suspect (laughs) new york plates yeah and he comes up with it one hand on his on his gun one hand on his his flashlight he rolls up to the side the window's already down i'm sitting there full mr t outfit hannibal (laughs) sitting next to me driving and face man's in the back and he like just does a double take, takes my li- takes the license and registration, backs up, looks at the giant red stripe on the van, goes back to his car, runs our play, comes up to us, hands us everything back, and goes, "I can't give a ticket to the A team." <laughs> That's and, awesome. And let us go. That car was that. We set we set the the record at that point, coast to coast, because we were carrying like seventy something gallons of fuel. The other one I w- it was the General, which was a 1995 Chevy Caprice cop car that we had painted olive green. We took all the license plates and everything off of it. We put 
giant stars on it and the 2904 military numbers, and we made it a military car. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, we uh, put a giant fuel tank in the back, and my brother um, went with me. We made it kind of special. Um, he was a major. He's now a colonel in the U.S. Army. He, we all got military outfits, and we drove with crew cuts, and that car was fantastic to drive and really fast those those it was a it was a police spec 9c1 caprice which were just phenomenal cars to drive <laughs> it brings to mind that famous line in the blues brothers where they jump in that car you know sunglasses <laughs> at night or <laughs> we're on a mission from god yeah. here so uh yeah that's pretty funny wow what an adventure absolutely well let's talk about what has you really excited and fired up about your business your career today what has you going and what are you doing these days well, I've got a few things going. Obviously, I do a few things at once. Um, I've got uh, Fakara Classics, which is my own little thing right now. And what we focus on is the history and personal histories of vehicles and the marketing of cars. So I assist collectors and private owners with the marketing of, of important cars when they go to sell them, the research and history of those cars. Because a lot of people buy cars you know, for quick, quickly and emotionally, and they don't know much about them. So we yeah. develop the history and stories on them, especially for larger collections going through, especially if they purchased at a auction. A lot of the auction descriptions are absolute nonsense because they're not legally liable uh, for what they say in their catalogs. So we go through, and I would do this for at Bruce's place as well, is I would go through all the car's history and pick out the truths from the lies ah, and write them. And also combating all the internet nonsense and hearsay that you hear on vehicles. Yeah, I've, I've kind of taken a lot of what I did for Bruce Canepa, and I'm doing it for private private owners now. Oh, how fun. And That's then I'm cool. also starting, uh, well, it's starting as a podcast. Um, oh, you're cool. A little bit of an ins- you're a bit of an inspiration for me. Well, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> it's called Car Rescuer. And it's the stories of cars that are found, then kind of brought back to life and sold on to a next owner. So what we're doing is we're interviewing the original owner. We're finding these cars. We're interviewing the original owner. We find out the story of the car, their personal story with the car, then getting the car back in a running condition or in saleable condition, and then moving it on to a new owner and transferring that story from the original owner to the new owner. So there's a continuation of the of the story and that's that's what always fascinates me is the story of cars like i used to say at canopy when i was giving the tours your honda civic sitting in the parking lot if you crunched that up in a ball and you took this 91730 and crunched it up in a ball and you took them to a scrapyard your honda is probably worth more yeah. have scrap metal so mm-hmm. what makes these cars so valuable so interesting and that's the story the story alone is what is what makes these things worth what they're worth. Yeah. So I, that's what we've been focusing on with with uh, for car classics and car rescuer. And then um, right now I'm I the the thing I'm focusing on in the next two weeks because I've got a race in two weeks up here in in California. The crushed car that got crushed in the um in the garage has been pulled out. And I am going to finish it after holding up the roof of the garage for over a year. <laughs> um, it is kind of my catharsis. I'm finishing my it's a Toyota Corona smashed together with a Toyota Supra. With it's a, literally smashed together. Like a smashed <laughs> together with a twin turbo in it. And oh, wow. uh, 
we're going to finally finish it and get it. So that's what I've been really <laughs> working on there you go. the last couple of weeks. But And then, of course, I'm putting a lot of time into Coyote Creek Concourse, mm-hmm. helping them. I'm the development director and the social media director for them, nice. helping them getting, you know, getting the word out. And, uh, and hopefully we have a, an excellent premiere year this year. I think you will. Absolutely. When will you be launching your podcast so I can let my listeners know? I'm hoping, you know, we're putting together a few things. I'm, I, I'm sure you, you probably could teach me a few things that, you know, the, I, I'm learning how to edit this stuff together and put it yep. together. But I'm hoping in the next two months, once the concourse is launched and I've got a few of my projects done, we can get the first one up there. But we've already got the URL. We're building the website right now. Uh, so we should have something up soon. Well, my tip for you is what I did is I uh, just watch a lot of YouTube videos on how to how to do <laughs> podcasting, how to, uh, that's how I built my website. I just watched a lot of YouTube, how to build a website, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a lot harder than it looks, that's for sure. Oh yeah. But, uh, but it's fun. Same with podcasting and editing and all that. But, uh, anytime I can help you, just let me know. Very cool and exciting times for John Ficara. Well, John, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars yeah sponsors that make this all possible. Hey, fellow automotive enthusiasts, you know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products since 1975. That's right, all the way back to my high school days. Want to keep your vehicle's exterior and interior looking new? It's easy with a Covercraft car cover. A car cover is the best way to keep your vehicle looking great for years to come. Car covers protect your paint from fallout, birds, dust, rain, insects, and pollen. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. I use my Covercraft car covers every single day. Right now, you can get 10% off all Covercraft custom car covers or their ready-fit car covers. Plus, they offer you over 15 quality fabrics to choose from. Their spring sale is from April 15th through June 16th, 2019. Order direct at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at com. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on Mav TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find Mav TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, John, we are back, and I've got a very introspective question for you. If tomorrow you woke up in the garage, hopefully not a garage that a tree fell on, (laughs) and you were a car, not what you want to be, but it's how you perceive yourself, what would John be and why? I've always said, and this was a car that I... 
I got years ago and restored that I that I'm a Jensen interceptor. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm okay. I'm not sure how to respond to that, but what? But why a Jensen interceptor? <laughs> because I'm of Italian design. Okay. I'm British built. Okay. And I have an American heart. Ah, okay. I like the way you said that. Yeah. Nice. And I'm not the prettiest person in the world, but I'm not the ugliest. I'm not the <laughs> fastest, but I'm not the slowest. It's and I'm definitely an oddball. So the Jensen okay. Interceptor works out great. I like it. Unique but loved. Yep. So very nicely done. All right, we are entering the last lap, John. I'm gonna fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that Jensen Interceptor throttle. So here we go. As long as you don't break the car when you blip the throttle. What's what's the sorry, Jensen, just had to throw that in. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received was to Buy the best classic car you can afford. So spend all yeah. the money up front, buy the yep. best collectible car, because you'll spend more money and more time restoring it than you'll ever, you know, you'll ever have to, if you ever purchased it already done. This is advice, by the way, I have never listened to. <laughs> yeah. That's the advice I ever got, because it's totally true. Like I can have the car now and enjoy it right now and spend the money now. Or I can spend more money and wait five years while I put it together. So yeah, yeah, yeah. never never listen to that. I always went the long road. <laughs> well, you know, I've heard this from many many people, and unless you have a very big wallet and you enjoy the process of restoring cars, which there's nothing wrong with, and I've had hundreds of great people on the show who can do it. But yeah, it's always three times more than you ever dreamed. It's like doing a remodel or an addition to your house. Just double, triple the budget, whatever you think it's going to be. It's not true. It's not yeah. what it's going to be. Yeah. And in cars, it can get really seriously out of control. So I, I really think that's the best advice is step up, get the best car you can afford, and you can enjoy it right out of the box. But even when you buy the best cars, it seems to be my history, there's always something it needs to get it back on the road, especially if it hasn't been driven much. So uh, yeah. yeah, just the way it is. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? I don't know my habits. I mean, I like to surround myself with the best people I can find. You know, that's really starting with my wife. I have had to put that in there. But uh, well, of course, well, she's the saint that wanted to just run off to New York, right? Oh, she lets me do all <laughs> these crazy things, and she's absolutely brilliant. She she encourages my adventures, and I encourage nice. hers. Yeah. Um, but I but I surround myself with friends who want to do the same thing. You know, the people who say yes, the people mm -hmm. who are like, "Hey, let's you know build a car and go and drive off to Mexico, or let's 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 go from Alaska to the South Pole." Like, and and they go, "All right, let's figure out how to do it." You know, that's yeah. you surround yourself with people like that. There's you know the sky's the limit. Absolutely. Well, when you invite me to come and help you build a car, first thing I'm going to do is walk around your property and inspect <laughs> inspect the trees uh, before I say yes to that. But uh, yeah, absolutely. How about a resource? There's so many great ones these days. Is there one in particular you'd like to share? Well, I think the one I use a lot and that people don't know about, it's a small little website, but it's got an amazing amount of information, is racingsportscars.com. And this guy has put together pretty much all of the racing history for tremendous amount of cars, sports cars, Formula One cars. Um, it's where I, I always start my research. And he's been plugging away these things for years. It's an old-fashioned looking website. But if you want to just go find the data, you want to start with the data instead of the story, it's a great place to go. The other website I, you know, I have to recommend to people is VinWiki. Um, oh, yeah. That's my friend Ed Bolian's website with all his uh, YouTube uh, episodes on it. And it's just brilliant. It's really entertaining. 
Yeah, both fun sites. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? I'd have to say Brock Yates. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. I had his son on the show. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, having done a cannonball-esque type run, I'm sure he would offer you a lot of inspiration. I, you know, I, I met him once uh, before he passed away. He was a real gentleman and great guy, but he was a fantastic writer. He was a renegade. He was a historian. The stories I imagine he could tell would just be infinite. I would yeah. Do, and his, you know, that would just be a, a great night of drinking, I'm sure. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'd go into the wee mornings. I'm sure it would. And uh, yeah, he's a larger-than-life guy. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share with us that you've enjoyed? Well, I'm going to have to say uh, Rock Yates' Cannonball book. People, everyone should read that. I mean, as far as just pure storytelling and to find out the truth behind what uh, what they showed in the movie, because the movie was the, the movie was actually a conglomeration of the five runs. Mm. So all the, the, the there were guys dressed as priests, there were guys in stock cars. <laughs> you know, and it tells the people in their own voices. It's fascinating. The other book that I give to people as a gift, a race car book, uh, is a really old book called The Technique of Motor Racing by Piero Taruffi. He was a co-driver with Fangio way, way back. And the book is fascinating because he broke down motor racing to math and everything that has happened since. Like he, like the apexing a corner and, and late braking and all of that, this guy came up with decades ago. Like I think it was first published in like 1959. And it's a fascinating read. It's like, so every person that goes to me like, I want to start racing cars. I give them this. I go, here's where you start. I've seen that book. I don't have that book, but it's been recommended here a couple times. I'll send times. you that book. I will well, send you that book. That's what I do. Go. I send this book to people. I'll send you that copy of that book. Well, I appreciate that. Very, very cool. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources John has been so kind to share on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in John Ficara, cool last name, F-I-C-A-R. There's an R in the middle, R-A, Ficara. Absolutely. I love it. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, John, and the last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. If it's in Bruce Canapa's shop, I'm going to write the big golfer's check. You know, those giant ones they give the winners, like Tiger Woods at the end of an event. But there's a couple rules to this game that make it a little bit of a challenge. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens, but I don't think that's going to be a problem for a guy like you. But here's the kicker. It's the only one collector car you can have in your garage. So choose wisely, my friend. Mm, you know, this, and I'm, you've, you've asked this question over a thousand times, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And, and, it's, <laughs> and it's one of the worst questions you can ask a car I'm sorry. Guy. It's I know. It's so impossible. And know. you know what? I, I was sitting down last night. I'm trying to whittle it down, whittling it down, whittling it down. I whittled it down to two cars, and I can't decide. Between well, let's let's the, start with the two, okay? All right. So... They're both race cars, and but they're both race cars that you could possibly drive on the street. Okay. Um, one is the Whittington Brothers 935 that won Le Mans in 1979, the Porsche 935, the yeah. K3. Yeah. That car was a car that shouldn't have won, that beat all the prototypes, took first place overall. It was a you know a production based car that beat the it was amazing and and of course you got the Whittington brothers story of them purchasing the car and all the great uh, stories that go along with those guys uh, yeah. like so that car story is fantastic it's just epic plus it's a nine thirty five which was 
which was the king of race cars in the late mm-hmm. 70s and early 80s. The other one is the, um, the Ferrari 250LM that won Le Mans in 1965. That was the last Ferrari ever to win overall Le Mans. And again, it was a car that wasn't supposed to win Le Mans. This was during the great war between Ferrari and Ford. Ford showed up with all the, the GT40s, and, and, they found, and they brought all of Shelby's cars over. Ferrari had the new P2s, and they got every single Ferrari that they could find. And it was supposed to be a showdown between the P2s and the GT40s. But by 1 o'clock in the morning, those were all, all perished. And alone were running the Shelbys and a couple of these 250LMs. And this little car that the factory wasn't even supporting, this was, it was run by NART, um, the North American racing team. It was an American car on Goodyear tires, one overall. And it, and it shouldn't have. It really shouldn't have. That car had lots of great stories. And it's just a beautiful car, and you just cannot get over that little V12 churning in the back of it. Yeah, well, okay, I'm going to help you a little bit here. <laughs> Since I'm buying the car, okay. you know, I might, and I'm not going to worry about costs. That's, that's not a factor here, you know, big wig that I am here at Cars. Yeah, I write any check I want, right? Uh, I've seen both those cars and know both those cars. Here's the deal is the Porsche, and you and I are Porsche guys through and through, is great, but it really is a race car for the track. It is be a very challenging car to drive on the street. Now, that given, I'm going to raise some eyebrows here. The 250LM, you can drive on the street a little better, I think. In fact, you could probably license it to drive on the street. I don't think you could do that with the Porsche. So as far as the all-around user car, although I've heard, and I've only ridden in a 250LM, I've never driven one, they're not that great at cars on the road. You know, they're hot. They're race cars. They're hot and they're loud and all that, but who cares? That's what makes them fun. I don't know. For some reason today, and I'm going to raise a lot of eyebrows here with my followers, I'm going to lean towards the 250LM instead of the Porsche. But I'd have to ask you this. I mean, if I bought you the Porsche, are you going to be on the track a lot with that thing? Is that that going to work for you? Because again, I don't think that's a car you can drive on the street. Well, but who? Well, since you know, when does the law bother you, right? No, right. <laughs> and Bruce Meyer, who's the current owner of that car, yes, drives it on the street. He drove it on the street. He drove it. Well, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so, okay, well, you're going to have to make a decision right now (laughs) because we're almost out of time. So let's just say for today, which car can I get you? Get me the Porsche. The Porsche. I kind of thought you'd leave. (laughs) That's okay. I'm happy. I'll call. That's going to be a difficult call. I've got Bruce's phone number here. I'll get him on the phone. All right. right. I don't think I'm going to talk him out of that car, but I'll do the best. You know, every car is always for sale with the right check. And since Bruce probably doesn't really need to sell a car, this is going to cost me a pretty penny, <laughs> I'm sure. But, uh, well, at least it's out here on the West Coast, so it's close by. And uh, we're recording this, about, uh, of course, about four days before Luftkult 6. So, uh, yeah, uh, maybe he'll be there again with it, and I can talk him out of it while we're there. there. We but, uh, there yeah, very nice. Uh, John, you've taken me on a great ride today. I knew you would. Thank you for uh, sharing your stories with our listeners. Is, could you give us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off in Bruce's car, that 935 Porsche? I have to say that uh, it's something my wife and I say to each other all the time. We say, do all the things. So right. if something if something happens and you can you can grab a hold and do it, do it. And if you got to do two things at once, do it. Do four things at once, do it. Find somebody who can help you do it, do it. Life is not a test run, and you've only got one shot at this. So do all the things. I love it. That's a great 
Great, simple, direct, and it works all the time. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you? Well, they can find me at um, FakaraClassics.com. I'm also on Facebook, and um, pretty soon we'll have CarRescuer.com up and running. And uh, we'll have uh, an Instagram running as well. So, yeah. There you go. Awesome. Well, let me know when those other sites are up. So I'll share that on your show notes page. Sure. And again, listeners, you can follow along with John or learn everything about him on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go there and type in John Ficarra and I'll put all the links there. John, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your many very wild and crazy and fun experiences with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much, Mark. This was fun. You too. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp., Member FINRA SIPIC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!